Welcome to the Clay Young Show. On the eve of my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving, welcome to the Clay Young Show. Going live on a Tuesday night with an exclusive interview. Glad to have you here. Outgoing Lieutenant Governor Jay Darden will be here sitting in the guest chair to talk with you about the elections, to talk with you about his endorsement of the incoming governor of Louisiana and about his political future. I think you will enjoy the conversation. We sat down and spoke a little bit earlier today. And I think I think I think you're going to get some insight from it. He answers questions about his feelings on Senator David Vitter to the elections, to Scott Angel, to his conversation with John Bell Edwards after he was not going to be in the the runoff, talks about him being a rhino, the Louisiana Republican establishment and their feelings about him, whether or not he's a candidate for the U.S. Senate seat, and we talk about his candidacy for mayor, or lack thereof. All of that is on the table. That's right. We deal with everything. We even ask him to address the claims that the endorsement of John Bell Edwards was about bitterness. He'll answer that directly. Now, I've known this man for 12 years, and I can tell you that I have never not known him to be upfront, pretty straightforward, and someone who is willing to walk a path all by himself. Now, we know in politics, when you do that, that doesn't make you the friend of every person. But I actually respect it. And so I don't hide the fact that I like him, that he's a friend of mine, that I've supported him, and I think he's a good guy. Now, some who listen may not like that. I don't care. I don't get to choose your friend's You don't get to choose mine. But I think if you want insight on who the man is, you will get a chance to hear that. He is someone who loves this state. End of story. And so here his full uh, comments in context and the interview that is soon to follow. Quickly here, the 2016 Smoke'em If You Got'em is going to take place. At Ben 77 in Perkins Row. Uh, sorry about kind of the horse voice. I don't know. I got a bug over the weekend. I never really get sick, but man, it sucks when you when it happens, right? Because I hate taking medicine. Like I will take health supplements, but geez, I hate taking medicine. So anyway, smoke them if you got them next year, May 15th at Ben 77 in Perkins Row. Sponsored again by Orion Instruments. More details about that to follow. Don't forget, hit the, hit the subscribe button if you want to follow the show. Keep up with what's happening. It's on iTunes. It's free there. You can go to the website, podcast225.com or the Talk 107.3 mobile app. It is free there as well. All right. A quick break and then our conversation with Lieutenant Governor Jay Darden, and we will be right back. Actually, Orlando will join me in the close of the show after our conversation with Lieutenant Governor Jay Darden. That is up next. Have you ever wanted to host your own podcast? Coming soon, Clay Young Enterprises and Podcast 225 will be giving you your big chance. 
you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment to create a podcast that you can be proud of. You'll have an engineer and a professional show open and close. The Clay Young Show is already considered one of the best podcasts in the state. Get the same audio quality and professional packaging for your very own podcast. Stay tuned for more details. Your chance to have your own show is coming soon. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. All right, back with Lieutenant Governor Jay Darden, or should I say outgoing Lieutenant Governor Jay Darden. Let's see. How many times, before we get into all the election stuff, by the way, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you. How many times have you crossed the state in the past four years as lieutenant governor? I'm sure you've visited every parish in the state. Do you keep track of how many times you've touched ground and all of the parishes? Uh, we have kept track of that, but I, as we sit here today, I can't remember the number of, of times. I, I have touched every parish. I think I've spoken in every parish, not just as a campaigner running for governor or running for lieutenant governor, but... Uh, but it, doing my job as lieutenant governor, that was a big part of it, was to be around the state. And I, I, I would comfortably say that I have traveled around this state more than any other statewide elected official, perhaps ever, but certainly <laughs> no in recent, li- no uh, doubt. recent times. So the elections are over, and everybody is interested in your thoughts on how that went. And we've got a lot to get to in our conversation. Let's start with the elections, the outcome, and how it went. Well, I think it was a big surprise for, for lots of people, uh, certainly given the, the sense at the beginning of the campaign or say a year or more than a year ago when people thought it was just inevitable that David Vitter was going to be governor and mm-hmm. David was attempting to portray to the to contributors and to the people that it was just inevitable that he was going to win. We're a red state. He had $10 million minimum uh, United States after he was going to win the race. And never did I believe it was a foregone conclusion that he would win the race. But I think the end result is certainly a big surprise to a lot of people who, who believe that a Democrat could not get elected statewide in Louisiana. And, and I think, uh, and we've talked about this, I would describe this as an aberration. It's not, it's not a, a trend. You're not going to see Louisiana suddenly turning blue or, in my view, suddenly turning purple. Uh, John Bell Edwards was able to win because he was running against David Vitter. And, and uh, that, I think that's the, the basic math of it. I agree with that. Going through the process in your campaign and all of the support you got around the state, this was really a case of, in my opinion, Scott Angel and Jay Darden splitting a section of the electorate, which actually turned out to be larger than some would have thought, because if one of you gets the votes that both of you got, you'd, you would have been in the runoff with John Bell Edwards. Your thoughts about that particular I, I, point? I agree with that. I think I think that's accurate. Um, the the vote that we shared was either a geographic vote that was largely that was devoted to one or the other of us, and a discontented Republican vote that was not going to be for Vitter. And mm-hmm. I think you're right. Had there been just one of us in the race, it, it's much more likely that one of us would have been in the runoff during the course of the campaign. Uh, There was a lot of talk about you. Senator Vitter spent most of his time going after you and Commissioner Angel. He didn't spend a lot of time talking about John Bell Edwards. I think the strategy there was to keep you guys out and to get into the runoff with John Bell Edwards because he would easily beat him. That was the strategy going into it. Your reaction to the way you were uh, characterized by the Vitter campaign? 
Well, it was an entirely false campaign and misleading campaign designed to do what it did, and that was to uh, convince a number of people that I had done things that I'd never done. Let's talk uh, about that Paris trip, I believe it was, where you were accused of g- getting a bunch of relatives together and going to Paris on the, uh, on the state's dime. Fundamentally, it's pretty absurd, if you think about it, that... that uh, People would have believed that because if I had done something like that, I would be under investigation. <laughs> People, the legislative auditor would have been raising cane. People sure. would have raised some cane. So obviously, it was it was false. We we actually I actually went on two trips overseas during the course of my five years as lieutenant governor for the sole purpose of promoting Louisiana and economic development. Both those trips had a had a, a strong component of economic development because while I was there. We, we met with businesses that do business in Louisiana and some that we were encouraging to do business in Louisiana. And for the record, which I, I certainly tried to make known, but we didn't have the dollars to, to be able to compete with the, the money he was spending in, in advertising. Um, the, the, the total of the two trips was $11,000 to pay for me. My wife was paid for by us, by mm-hmm. the Dardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, she came on the trip, and several people who are my friends and supporters came on one, on one of the, or both of the trips on their own nickel. They mm-hmm. paid all their own expenses. They uh, reimbursed a percentage for anything that they may have done that was in connection with me insofar as uh, travel would have been or, or a bus or a limousine or whatever it may have been. Sure. Um, so it, it was completely f- fraudulent and false to try and portray that, that I had gone on a birthday bash mm-hmm. uh, and brought all my friends along and the taxpayers paid for it. That was ridiculous. It didn't happen, and, and obviously I wouldn't have have done that. The timing of the the trip over my birthday was dictated by our international tourism representatives who helped plan the timing and the itinerary of the trip to make sure that I had a chance, we had a chance to interact with tourism officials Mm -hmm. and tour operators overseas. And the time to do that happened to be in February, not the best time to visit Great Britain or right. Germany, but that's when we went. That's when my birthday happens to be because that's when was the best time to queue up these travel agents and tour operators to include us on their itinerary. So there was the, the timing was obviously well thought out by our tourism consultants who said this is when you need to be here. Do you personally like David Vitter? No. And how far back does that go? Because uh, you like everybody. I mean, you, well, you, you, I, well, you generally I, try to get along with, with, I, I, with, I do, with people. I but, do, but, you know, and I, I do try to get along with people, and I do get along with people. And Dave and I have not really ever had cross words, but I've observed his behavior over the years and his position of uh, as a public servant and the way he's treated people and, and the way he's dealt with people and uh, in the way he's dealt with me, mm-hmm. which has led me to answer your question that, no, I don't particularly uh, like him. And, and some of these debates, well, actually, there was only one, I think, in the – in the primary buildup that he attended with you guys, w- were there two debates? Uh, there was one that was televised. I know there there were several the, several of the forums. You have to remember we pro- we had more than fifty forums yeah. well, over the yeah. course of the year, and, and probably more than that, probably seventy five. I haven't counted them, but okay. the the forums were generally attended by me. I attended everyone sure. except one. I okay. make make that point. I, I missed one early on where it was a group that I knew was going to be endorsing David Vitter, and mm-hmm. I had a legitimate conflict, and yeah. I didn't go. Otherwise, I made every single forum to which we were invited. Um, Scott and John Bell did almost as good. They may right. have missed a few right. uh, between, between them, but not many. And so the three of us were at virtually everything. Uh, David was at, 
I wouldn't say few, but he was not nearly as faithful an attendee as we were. And I don't remember how many televised ones he made in the in the primary. Well, when you were at a forum and you guys had the opportunity to be in a green room together, was was there ever dialogue between the two of you? Um, sure, we, we we were cordial to one yeah. another and said hello, but we really didn't engage in, in any meaningful conversation, or frankly, any any non meaningful conversation. But it wasn't like <laughs> no we small were, talk. It wasn't like we were snubbing each sure, other. We sure. just didn't really go out of our way to talk. Scott and John Bell and I became pretty close over mm-hmm. the course of the year because we'd see each other everywhere, and we uh, we all got along, and we were all friendly, and and uh, all three of us were being followed at various times by the the infamous tracker who was hanging on our every word. So we did have that commonality. Mm -hmm. So you get past this. uh, You don't make the runoff. It's John Bell Edwards. It's David Vitter. This was a few days after that, that, of course, the endorsement was made. What's that process? Talk us through that. When did you think I'm going to endorse and then it, I knew because I know you, I'm not going to, you know, I know I, I, I was sure it wouldn't be David Vitter, but I didn't know that you would endorse John Bell or just not do anything. I said during the, the race um, on one occasion, perhaps two occasions, I didn't intend to endorse mm-hmm. in, in the runoff. And, and I originally had not planned on endorsing, but um, both my wife, Kathy, and I were so besieged with phone calls and texts and emails from people saying, what do we do? I, I, I can't vote for David Vitter, but I can't vote for a Democrat. Or I can't vote for a Democrat, but I really don't want to vote for David. You know, what do we do? And it was really a, a, a considerable number of, um, of calls and emails and, and texts that, that prompted me to say, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell people, I'm going to tell my supporters what I'm going to do. I think they have a right to know what I'm going to do. And um, I, I uh, talked to John Bell because both David and John Bell contacted me shortly after the election and asked for my endorsement. And I told... Uh, well, before we get to John Bell, let's talk about that call from David Vitter. How, oh, tell us about that. Well, David called and asked me to consider endorsing him. And I told him I did not plan to endorse him. And he asked if we could meet and talk about it. I said, I'm happy to meet with you, but I don't plan to endorse you. And I, I met with him shortly thereafter, and he asked me again to endorse him. And uh, What was his argument? How, what was his pitch? Well, not surprising. His pitch was, we are more philosophically aligned than you are with John Bell. And I'm a Republican, and you're a Republican, and you, you ought— you ought to endorse me. And I, and I, well, some would say that sound logic, but you didn't go with it because... Well, I didn't go with it because I didn't feel comfortable in endorsing a guy who I had been criticizing and calling a liar and, and uh, pointing out all of his flaws for the past uh, six months, and I couldn't do that. I couldn't just say or pretend that had all uh, been forgotten. So you look like I a hypocrite. Him, well, that's right, and I, there, was, there was only room for one hypocrite in the race, and I... I um, I told David I wasn't going to endorse him, and we met, and he asked me again. I, I said, I'm not going to endorse you, and that was that. And then John Bell reaches out to well, you. Well, John Bell had reached out to me as well on the day yeah. after. Both of them contacted me the day after the primary, and, and I, I told John Bell that I was going to think about what I was going to do and left it at that. Mm-hmm. And, said, and, and um, we had, we had the, only that one conversation. I ran into him coincidentally. Um, in person shortly after the election by pure coincidence at a restaurant and we visited briefly just to say hello and how's it going and and you know him reminding me that he sure 
appreciate my endorsement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about it for a while, and I decided on, you know, obviously on on my own that I was going to do that, and called him and told him I was going to endorse him, and and I, I met with him and talked to him several times before I did because I wanted to assure myself of the the manner in which he would govern, and and also I wanted to talk to him about some substantive issues where I knew we differed, and um, and um, and he explained to me what what I expected, and that sure. was that his intent was to govern much as I would have governed as a, as a moderate and somebody yeah. in the middle trying to bring Louisiana together and not pull us apart. And, and, um, and I was satisfied, you know, in those discussions that he was going to do that. Can we drill down on that point? The thing that Republicans have been saying the most is that John Bell's politics is so far in the opposite direction of Republican voters and they're concerned or, or questioning why a Republican would endorse someone with politics that would be you know, a juxtaposition to where they are. What's your response to that? Well, first of all, you have to start with the premise that a lot of what I talked about during the course of the campaign was the need to bring Louisiana together right. and, and make Louisiana our priority and not do things based upon partisanship and based upon um, purely on, on your loyalty to one party or the other. That's what's happened in Washington, and that's what's got us in the position we're in mm-hmm. and the frustration with, with what's taking place in Washington. I kept talking about let's don't bring Washington to uh, Louisiana. And right. the, the one way to have brought Washington to Louisiana would have been for uh, me or, or other Republicans. Oh, one glitch right there. Finish that thought. You were saying the one well, way to bring, to, yeah, well, just, yeah. Just just finish that thought. The, you were saying the one way to bring Washington to, to Louisiana. The, the one way to bring Washington to Louisiana would have been for Republicans to simply say, "Well, uh, I'm going to be for David Vitter because he's a Republican," and okay. I, I wasn't going to do that. I I had spent a, a good time in the campaign trying to defend myself against false accusations and talking about the hypocrisy and talking about the fact that. Uh, the people were being lied to, and I couldn't just turn around and say, "Well, don't just disregard what I said." Sure. So, um, and and secondly, I you've got to remember that John Bell represented in the legislature a district that was eighty five percent black mm-hmm. and eighty percent Republican, or vice versa. I don't yeah, know the exact yeah. numbers, but it was a dramatically Democratic district, and right. he represented his district well. He, right. he he represented the views of the people that had elected him. And he now has, and we talked about this, he now has a much larger constituency, um, and in, in that is the people of Louisiana. And to govern them effectively, he has to recognize that he can't bring that same degree of partisanship to the governor's mansion. And I was satisfied because I do believe he's an honorable man and a person whose word means something, mm-hmm. that he's going to govern in that way. And, and he, uh, we talked about some, some various issues that, that, that we clearly differed on, and, and I was interested in understanding uh, how far he may want to push the legislature or push Louisiana on some of those issues and and became satisfied that he was, in fact, going to try and govern in a way that would bring the state together and would not be based purely on partisan ideological lines. What do you say to people who who have charged that this move by you was just out of bitterness because you didn't win? Well, I haven't had to say that in response to too many people, but what well, I, what some I of would, these uh, bloggers out there who, well, who I don't pay attention and, I, and I've got to follow up to that, but I wanted to ask that first. Well, I don't pay attention to that first and foremost, but I would say you don't know me very well uh, because if you knew me, you would know that, that I'm, I'm not going to do something just for the sake of doing it. And I'm not going to uh, uh, take a stand on a position or say something just because it's what people want to hear. I mean, I've, 
I do have a, a pretty well established independent streak, right. and and I've and I'm I'm not ashamed of that, and and I'm not ashamed of what I did because I felt that it was not only. Uh, was I supporting the person who I thought would do the best job? Mm-hmm. I was doing what I thought was best for Louisiana because I do believe that um, had we had had we elected Governor Vitter, the problems that have uh, would follow him would continue to be an embarrassment for the state. The the attacks by many in the Louisiana establishment of the Republican Party uh, who came out to to bash you, and then even Reince Priebus chimed in on the Louisiana governor's race, which I thought was odd because currently there are 37 people running for president under the Republican uh, you know, banner. But uh, your response to them, because as I have known you, you have consistently not been a darling of the Louisiana Republican establishment. Well, I haven't been. That's, that's exactly right. It was pretty ironic. I think uh, Roger or some, maybe Priebus or Roger used the phrase that I had used the Republican yeah. Party to, to my political advantage. And I was very curious to understand that reasoning since the party has really never right. overtly supported me. And I have defeated the former chairman of the party, the sitting chairman of the party, Roger, and the son of a former chairman of the party <laughs> in three of my four statewide elected races. So uh, you're right. I would never describe myself as the darling of the Republican establishment. Right. Uh, but uh, but I believe I have represented the party in a way that has brought great credit to the party and the way in which I've handled myself during my time in public office. And uh, certainly compared to others, that, that ought to be a factor in people's minds. Well, and it's clear that the 12-point margin of victory is largely because Republicans both stayed home and many of them voted for John Bell Edwards. Would you, would yes, you agree would. with that? Yes, I do agree with that. I mean, twelve a 12-point 12 win or whatever it was in a governor's race isn't just an accidental victory. That's a woodshedding. I agree. And so that being the case, what are you, is it, was it just a case of the electorate saying, we don't want this guy? And if that's the case, what should the party bosses for the state be thinking about for the next four years? Certainly, I think it was a repudiation of, of Senator Vitter, mm-hmm. and, and people decided they didn't want him to be our governor. And a number of Republicans obviously uh, felt that way as well. Um, I told the Wall Street Journal just a couple of days ago that, please understand, in my view, this is an aberration. This is not a signal of, of a sea change in Louisiana. We are a red state. We're going to stay a red state. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Republicans will win the U.S. Senate seat next year, I think, oh, sure. and the Republican nominee will carry Louisiana. Yeah. And, and I and I intend to be voting for them. Well, and, the, uh, and, and, the, and every what, other statewide office stayed Republican. Yeah. That's right. And so, you know, I think it, it is an isolated case where there was a the Republicans had a flawed candidate and probably should have recognized that from the beginning and not uh, seen so much of the establishment fall in line behind David, even though he had all the money and all the power as a U.S. senator. Uh, but the party uh, couldn't wrap its arms around that, I guess, and recognize that it would have been much in the much greater interest of this state and this party if David had not run. He mm-hmm. would be a senior senator right. with considerable ex- experience and longevity in Washington where it means something. Um, and we had credible, at, at the early on, we had a credible candidate, I think, and I hope me, who, who would have run as a Republican, and then Scott got in the race as well. 
um, the, the greater good of the party would have been served by the senator staying where he was right. uh, than, than putting the party through this, this traumatic of a race where uh, he was literally spending millions and millions yeah. of dollars, some of which had been donated to his senatorial campaign and then transferred to the PAC that was established to, to kick me around and Scott around. What would you think about the gumbo pack ad? Man, that thing was sharp as a Ginzu. Well, it was. There were a lot of ads. Did they contact you about that before they used that oh, clip? No, no. Okay. I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, they didn't have to. They could just pull it from right. television. It was on a debate. Well, that's know. right. I mean, they, they didn't. It, they had access to it, and it was usable. But no, I, I, had, I had no contact with Gumbo Pack during the, the course of the race. I think I talked to um, somebody related to it one time early on, but I didn't, they didn't contact me. I didn't contact them. What did you think when you saw that ad with you and Scott going after I, I wasn't after surprised David? at all. I mean, I, I, I felt sure that we would see that because it just, it was obviously good fodder for a television commercial. Oh, man. So I let's was get surprised at the time. <coughs> it, well, it was out the next day, so, so yeah. they, were, they were on the ball. Seems like it was almost out that night. Uh, it was so fast. So, you know, everybody's been waiting to hear your thoughts on that. Let's get to a couple of other things. So you have endorsed now John Bell Edwards. He, of course, is now the governor-elect. Did you guys talk about or, did, you know, what was the conversation with you about possibly being with him in any capacity going into his term? There was absolutely no conversation. No quid him. for the endorsement. Nothing. Absolutely okay. nothing. I, I asked for nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, John Bell offered nothing. And we had no discussion about what might happen if he won. I, it was all about I'm, I'm calling to tell you I'm endorsing you. And all we did was logistically plan on how it would be done do you think obviously you would be an asset because of your time in state government what you've done here in the state and the fact that you are a popular republican is there an opportunity for him to maybe say i could see this guy helping me in some capacity if i am trying to build a bridge across louisiana's you know political gulf that exists right now well, I will tell you that since the election occurred on Saturday, we have spoken, and he's he's talked to me about potentially being involved, and I'm considering that as we as we speak right now. What about the Senate seat? Are you considering that at all? I actually already know the answer to this question, but but I'll give you a chance to answer it. Are you considering the Senate seat? No, no, I'm not. I'm, I said during the election, I meant it that I was not running for mayor of Baton Rouge, and that that's next. Not, Don't get ahead of me. Now. I was not running for any other <laughs> position that that. This was the job I felt I sure. could do and wanted to do. And uh, beyond that, I don't have any plans to, to seek public office. So if people around these here parts start calling on you in the next few weeks, uh, you know, the calendar flips in about five weeks there and they're saying, hey, you know, there's a mayor's race here in town. You're Mr. Baton Rouge, you know, LSU grad attorney, you know, the, the king of Baton Rouge. Why not toss your name into that very, very vacant hat right now? Would you consider it at all? No, at all? No, I would not. And zero. I, I, zero. And I've said that because I want to be clear about it because I want people to understand I'm not trying to be coy. Oh, sure. And I'm not trying to be begged to get in a race. I'm, I'm not going to run. And I want to make that clear because I think it's the right thing to do for those who do want to run. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be playing footsie with people and trying to act like I'm really interested if people... Um, come encouraging me to do so. I'm, I'm not going to run for mayor. Well, I hate that anyway when politicians do that. Whenever they keep the conversation going about not being interested, they're interested. And you pretty, you're pretty clear as you are. You're, pretty, you're a pretty candid person in saying, no, I'm not doing it. And we've talked about it two or three times before, and the answer has been no. And 
quite frankly, I believe you. I hadn't found anything <laughs> well, yet to make you, you change your mind, but I'm, I'm working on you. So in 2016, where do you see yourself? Well, I don't know. It, it depends on if I do something that's still involved in government. Uh, if I do, I'll be involved in government. If, but there is a shot that you could possibly help John Bell. Yes. Okay. No guarantees, but there's a possibility there. That's right. Um, let's, let's step back a little bit and move, move based upon your experience, your love for Louisiana, a tad bit philosophical as we, as we wrap this up, where do you see Louisiana right now? As I said during the campaign, I think we're poised for great opportunity. Um, the economy by and large is, is okay in Louisiana compared to some other places. We have a tremendous number of, uh, developments uh, that are already on the books and taking place, particularly in the southwest Louisiana area around Shre- around Lake Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, natural gas remains a great asset of ours, and it's going to become more and more a commodity that's sought after, I sure. think. Um, we get rid of the current president and hopefully have a president that is more open to drilling into expanded oil and oil and gas uh, exploration, and we, we re-kickstart that industry. Um, hopefully the price of oil moves up at some point in time. I think most people recognize it's not going to happen fast and it's not going to go where it has been. Um, but, and I think the, the, um, the attraction that Louisiana is now evidencing for young people coming back to our state, whether it's in the movie industry or the, um, digital industry mm-hmm. or the creative industries and our, our ability to, to, uh, promote music and all the things that make Louisiana special, um, puts us in a position where I think very good things can happen for the state. Our tax system is a mess. It's, it's yeah. got to be changed. Our budget is an even bigger mess because yeah. of what I believe to be um, mismanagement that has taken place over the course of the past eight years that have, have been all about creating a, a legacy that's not going to happen for, for Governor Jindal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and unfortunately, the the use of one-time money, the draining of all dedicated sources of money uh, has created a nightmare for us from a budget standpoint. Right. And that's going to be the biggest challenge the governor and the next administration faces is, is wiggling out of this problem and figuring out a way to fix it and then talking very seriously about long-term changes in the way in which Louisiana receives revenue. Some of the divisiveness we see nationally There's a little bit of that here, not so much, because I think we are, by and large, a friendly state with good people who love having a good time, who love good food, but we're generally courteous. I mean, this is quintessentially a southern state in terms of courtesy, but there are divisions here. There, there are conversations about many things that we ought to have, and I often find that elected officials are either too narcissistic or too dim-witted to be able to lead those discussions. I don't think you fall into that category because I've watched you in places and talked to people. And, and again, we're friends. But I do think we should be able to have adult conversations about the, the, the divisions in our communities and talk about ways that we all, as a people, can make our state as good as it can be. Is that pie in the sky or is that ever possible? Well, it's not pie in the sky. And, it, and I think it is possible. And I think Practically, it's got to happen. That's what has to happen. It, it was certainly the the theme of, of my campaign. Mm-hmm. It's cer- something that um, both Scott and John Bell also echoed, I think, that we've got to have somebody who's going to bring the state together, have a conversation about a lot of different things that usually centered around the budget yeah. and about the tax structure. 
um, and what we might do to change that tax structure. And I, I think uh, John Bell and I certainly shared a view on how that might be done, talking about eliminating or reducing some exemptions, some exclusions, some tax credits, um, altering the, the rates of income tax, which is what's recommended by Jim Richardson's study yeah, and has yeah. been validated by the Tax Foundation, which is uh, a national group that looks at tax policy and basically ratified or encouraged Louisiana to look at that model in changing the way it collects revenue. And I, I think that's going to very much be a part of the discussion that, that this governor is going to lead. Bobby Jindal, your thoughts? Well, I think it was a great lost opportunity for the state. Um, we've had a lot of lost opportunities, and I think there was a great deal of enthusiasm and optimism when, when Bobby first got elected that he was going to be the one who was going to change the way business was done in Louisiana and Rock really star. lead us to where we wanted to be. And some of that did happen in the first term, and I, I give them credit, particularly on the educational front, for making some yeah. fundamental changes yeah. in, in education. Uh, the purported gold standard in ethics was never really a gold standard. It was limited no. to the legislature. It didn't apply to the right. executive branch, and, right. and it still needs some things to be done. And I think we saw, uh, unfortunately, to his detriment and our detriment in the second term, it was all about Bobby's personal ambition to be president of the United States, and Louisiana was sacrificed on that altar. And unfortunately, uh, we're paying the price now from a budget standpoint, and people now have recognized that he had Louisiana in the rearview mirror for quite a while and focused only on where he might go next. And that's disappointing and frustrating and a lost opportunity. And I think his legacy is going to unfortunately be the opposite of what he hoped it would be. Well, I know you're not done. I don't know what not done means, but I, I know I'll find out. But I think you will admit right here you're not done. Well, I'm, I'm not done in my, my interest to advance Louisiana to where it ought to be and my interest in where we go next. And no, I'm not done from that standpoint, but I, I'm, I'm telling you candidly that in, certainly in the immediate future and probably ever, I'm, I'm not going to be on the ballot again. I've had, a, I've had a great run. It's been a real privilege to serve in the positions I've but served. But is that something to say right now? I, listen, I believe you. I know you're not going to be running for U.S. Senate, and I believe today on the 20-whatever-it-is of November— uh, 24th of November, you are not running for mayor. And on the 24th of November 2016, <laughs> you'll be able to say that I told you the truth because I'm uh, not running. No, I believe you're telling the truth right now, but I, I, you're not going to Washington. I don't think you'd mix in Washington, D.C. You're just not. I, so I knew that wasn't going to. Maybe there was a time you might have considered it, but now I know that's not the case. But man, I'm telling you that mayor's race is coming up and people are going to be knocking on your door and saying, come on, Jay. You know, but again, I believe right now that's you are firm in that position. But, man, I think you've done a great job serving the state. I've always known you to be what you are. And that's a man who thinks for himself. And I respect that about you. You don't take into consideration attaboys or criticisms. And I appreciate that. Carl Malone said this to me. I, one and only time I interviewed him. His son, as you know, his boy is going to LSU now and plays football here. And he said when he got drafted, he, had a, he was on the phone uh, with his mother when he knew it was going to happen and he was going out to Utah. And he said she gave him a bit of advice. And it's one of the most profound things that I've ever heard. She said, remember this, that compliments and insults weigh the same. The only thing that makes them different is the weight you put on them. 
And I think that's kind of the way, you know, most people look at it. And I think you probably think, think of life the same way. I do. And, and there's a, a similar uh, quote, and I can't give you the direct language, but from John Wooden, the great yeah. UCLA yeah. basketball coach who uh, was asked, you know, how do you handle all the, the criticism and all the, the stuff that sometimes heaped on you or people who say you're, you're not really who you are. And, and his response was something to the effect that, you know, you in the, when you're in the public eye, you get an awful lot of uh, credit for things that you don't always deserve. <laughs> and there's also a lot of blame heaped upon you that is equally undeserved. Right. And the trick is to make sure that you don't let either one bother you and you keep your head down and you do your job. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun. I look forward to uh, next summer uh, when you're in the midst of building your campaign for mayor sitting down with you. <laughs> you're just not going to let up, are no, you, Clay? No, no, Well, listen, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, man. And, and I do look forward to talking with you as the year changes over about some of the issues facing Louisiana, because we've got some big problems ahead of us. And I do think, uh, you know, people need to be prepared for some belt tightening and maybe some limb losses along the way there. Would you agree? I'll look forward to visiting with you about it. Lieutenant Governor Jay Darden. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. So there you have it, our conversation with Lieutenant Governor Jay Darden. And uh, he makes it plain that he's not interested in running for the Senate and he's not interested in running for mayor. And even though even though we joke about that, about man, there, be, there being some wiggle room, I don't think there is. I don't think he's running for mayor. Uh, at least I think he's 100 percent sure of this at this point. We'll see next year. So the holidays are coming quickly. Just be safe. Enjoy it. Enjoy the downtime. Cherish the memories with your family. And let's make the end of the year strong. Finish strong so we can start a fresh new 2016. I'm ready for it now. <laughs> like right now. See you next week, guys. The show's on the Talk 107.3 app. It's on iTunes and, of course, at the website. Podcast325.com. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.